0: continue with our discussion and our, our actually our walk through the book of Joshua much to be learned for us as believers in the book of Joshua in the old testament lessons to be learned and the last time we talked about the actual crossing of the of the Jordan it was a flood stage and we remember how they lined the people up the priests went first they're carrying the ark stepped in the water and the water stopped flowing and the people were able to cross during flood Got across the Jordan, got to the other side now they 're on the other side of the Jordan. the water started flowing again and the question for us this morning is do we want to move into what God has for us do you want that are you a are you Are you or are we people of tomorrow or are we people of yesterday? Tomorrow. Do we want to be people who recite history or people who write history? In partnership with the Father, yeah. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Partner with God. You know, when you cross the Jordan, there's no way back. When they crossed it, it was still at flood stage, so they couldn't go back. Now they could wait, you know, you could change your mind, you could be there for a while, and in a few months, the, the water would slow down to a trickle and would just be a little brook and you could go back, but you could, you, could, you could kind of welch on it, you could head in the other direction, you could, you could be somebody that crosses when the water's shallow to get back to where you were, and then that's what you'll be as a shallow person, less than a miracle person. When God calls us to move forward, he wants us to move forward with confidence and boldness. And so the people crossed the Jordan. They were on the other side, and they were ready to move into what God had promised. For years they had waited to get into the promised land. So we get to Joshua chapter 5, and this is so exciting. Wait till you see what happens in Joshua chapter 5. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. The people, the enemies, were just like, there's no way that we're going to survive these people. Look what just happened. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they'd come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised, but all the people born in wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua Circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. I don't know why they have to keep putting that word in there all the time. Why do they? What is the point? Good grief. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua this day, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on that day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. What in the world? Can you imagine? People cross the Jordan. God does a mighty miracle. The Lord had said to Joshua, listen, and told him, he didn't tell him ahead of time. He said, I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of the people. I'm going to do a miracle. They're going to look at you like Moses, so the Jordan River stops, they cross over, let's go, let's have at it. They get over there, and the first thing that God says to them, you need to circumcise the males. Which means that you make your, complete, your total army, your whole army, completely vulnerable for at least three days. Can't do anything for three days. Have you ever gotten really excited about what God God wants to do and then he gives you some kind of other directive and it's like, what a downer. What? What? Circumcision was a sign of covenant relationship with the Father. It's something that God instituted with Abraham. And again, it's one of the things that God puts in the Bible... And he talks about it from time to time, and it's like, okay, so when it came to New Testament, New Testament believers, the Gentiles were not required to be circumcised. It was just a Jewish custom, so why are we even talking about it? Why does he even have it? What's the, good grief, is there a spiritual application to this? You know the amazing thing about God? He is not at all embarrassed or ashamed in our humanity and the way that he's made us. He doesn't have any problem talking about the things that he, the way that he's made us. Matter of fact, he he uses absolutely everything he can to be an example and a picture to us to show us some of the deep things that need to be dealt with in our lives, and even to get very, very up close and personal. Because I don't think he wa- he, I think that he doesn't want us to miss the fact that our relationship with him needs to be very personal. Not at a distance, very personal. Listen, the best time to strike the enemy is when their hearts are melted with fear. They come across the people. That was the best time to go after the enemy. It was the best time to attack Jericho. It was the best time. They, the people saw the miracle, and the word spread throughout that area that God had... Dried up the Jordan River. They came right up. The whole mass of them came across on dry. There was a mighty miracle there. God, how are we ever going to stand against him? It was the best time to move. <laughs> There's two, two little two-word phrases I want you to repeat with me. Put the next slide up, if you would, Crystal. Opposing opportunism and operating obediently. Would you say them with me? Opposing opportunism, operating obediently. Do it again, only louder this time. Opposing opportunism, operating obediently. <laughs> we get opportunities all the time for things. Well, we get opportunities from time to time. Sometimes they look so good we can't, we can't resist them, and we've got to go for the opportunity. You know, you've got to make hay while the sun shines, or whatever the, the phrases are, the, the catchphrases that we use it. And sometimes really good opportunities come along for us, and we think, man, this, this is so great. I, I, I've just got to jump at it. I've just got to go for it. And it could be in a lot of different areas for us. And sometimes the opportunities look so good that you're secretly, you're afraid to ask God if it's okay because you're afraid he might say, wait. Or he might say no. Have you ever been there? Come on. They come across the Jordan. They're ready to take the land. And God says, circumcise the men. Incapacitate the army. Make yourselves completely vulnerable. Walk in obedience. The opportunistic thing would have been to strike right away. The right thing to do was to be obedient to the Father. You know, sometimes job opportunities come up, maybe to move away. And it's not that that opportunities are, are right or wrong because it changes anything. They're wrong if we are afraid to ask God, is this what you want me to do? That's where we get into trouble. It's a matter of will you let God be God in any situation? Sometimes that we get opportunities re- with relationships, and I can't tell you how many times we've seen over the years with people, young people often, who, even people have been in this church, who've grown up in the church, and we've taught them and trained them and, and helped them in to the walk with the Lord, and there's something inside them that just wants a relationship, girls that want a relationship with a guy or guys that want a relationship with a girl, or people that we've known that, have gone through teenage years and got into young adulthood and somebody pa- starts paying attention to them for the first time in their life in that kind of way boyfriend girlfriend way and everything that they've learned in their relationship with God goes out the window because this is way too important to let go you hear what i'm saying so opposing opportunism hang on to obedience I can't. It's amazing how it happens. It's amazing how it happens. And we have it repeat every once in a while. And we, Artie and I sometimes see it happening. We go. They throw out their Christian principles. They they throw out asking God if it's right because it's somebody that's paying attention to them. And then all they have after that is shipwreck. Difficulties, problems. And then they come for counsel. (laughs) What would you do with people like that? What would you do? What would you do? You try to teach him right, and they, they get into a relationship. Matter of fact, there was even somebody that had a word from the Lord that said, the guy that you're with right now is not the right one for you. And the prophet knew nothing about what was going on in this girl's life. He's no good for you. Not that he's no good, but he's not the right one. But she stuck with it because she had a boyfriend. Then we have people. We have people here, too, that, that dated and was just never the right one was just never the right one they just this this guy never felt peace he never felt peace he never felt peace and we thought what's the matter with this guy he's too picky we started thinking that we started thinking that he's just too picky what's the matter you, you know you know what happened later 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 through his 20s into his 30s and all of a sudden he meets this girl who've been going through the same process and it was perfect or as near perfect as it could be. Thank you. The hardest thing is to wait. The hardest thing is to wait. We're afraid that if we give God control of our lives that he's, gonna, that he's, that he's not going to give us what we really want. Like he might, he might not really give us what I'm desiring in my heart. There's always this struggle in in us to give God control, or we're in control. I mean, that's the struggle. That's the struggle all the time. We're afraid to give God his rightful place in our hearts and lives, and yet he is El Shaddai, the almighty God. He has the best plans for you that anybody could have, do you trust him or don't you? We want to move into our tomorrows. We want to be history makers. We want to be the people who, who lead and don't follow. And we don't look back to the past. We're not re- reciting history. We're making history. But the only way you can do it is by submitting obediently to him and doing what he calls you to do when he calls you to do it. And even when an opportunity comes that looks fantastic and he says no or wait, are you able to say no and wait? And even look foolish. Do you know that God doesn't mind if we look foolish? (laughs) He doesn't. Because he sees the end from the beginning. He says, don't worry, it's all going to work out. It's going to be cool, just relax. tasting of tomorrow, moving into your, the promises that God has for you does not depend on opportunism. It, it depends on obedience. And that is really important. Now there are plenty of times that God brings opportunity and he says, okay, it's time to move. And we go, well, I'm not sure I'm ready. You understand it goes both ways. Sometimes the Lord says, do this, and we drag our feet because it's something that's uncomfortable for us. I mean, The Lord came to Joshua and said, circumcise all the men. And he could have said, well, God, it's a little... You had plenty of time before to do this. I mean, we could have done it on the other side of the Jordan. We could have done it a month or two ago. We could have done it a while ago. Why now? I mean, you could have had that argument. But, But for whatever reason, that was the time. Circumcision started with Abraham, passed down through the Hebrew line. We know it takes about three days to recover because we have the story of Jacob and his sons when they were in Shechem, and their daughter Dina was was raped by Shechem's king's son, if you remember that story. And some of the sons of Jacob were really mad at the people and mad at the king's son, and so king came to, to Jacob and said, we really would like you to give your daughter Dina in marriage to, to my son. Can we marry? And, and so some of Jacob's sons said, listen, don't agree to it unless all the men are circumcised in the city because they had a plan. And so crazy king, <laughs> opportunism. opportunism, had all the men circumcised. And while the men were in pain, some of the sons of Jacob went in and killed everybody in the city. Wiped them all out. Because it said it took three days. So why this issue of circumcision? Let's just talk about this for a minute, if I may. It's as if God lays the knife right at the heart of our humanity. Now, this was two years ago before they had sonograms and they could find out the sex of a baby before it was born. But usually what happened when a baby was born, the first thing they did was they said, it's a boy or it's a girl, right? And, what are they, and when they're doing sonograms on a little baby, what are they looking for? The sex of the child. Make sure you are look for the sex of the child. It is the first thing that identifies us, right? It's really the first thing that identifies us. And so God is saying, at the very place where, where your identity comes from, you need to walk in obedience to me because your, your identity doesn't come from who you are. It comes from, I am in my relationship with you. You understand the, the picture there, the concept there, the issue of identity. It also has an issue with our creativity. What creative power is greater in humankind than to reproduce, to have children? And God lays the knife right there, right there. And so what he's saying to us is that the place, the thing that you, that you think you have the most talents, giftedness, where you think that, that you get your worth from, your identity, your validation, we're going to lay a knife to that, and we're going to cut. What are we cutting off? We're cutting off the flesh. We're cutting off the carnality. We're cutting off the excess. We're dealing with... Things in you that need to be done away with so that you can enter into your tomorrows nah. <laughs> Well, some people have the have the the thought or the view that gosh god you're you're getting a little too getting a little too close here. And, it, and I don't mean to be crude, um, but it's, we're talking in symbol, symbolism and allegory. Lord, if I allow you to circumcise my heart, how do I know? If I allow you to circumcise my creativity, how do I know you won't just castrate me and take it all away? How do I know that if I give you What are my hopes and my dreams? What if I give you the passion of my heart? How do I know you won't just take it away and make me do something else? How do I know if I give my life to you, you won't send me to Africa as a missionary? (laughs) Or wherever it is you don't want to (laughs) go? Listen, this is the craziest passage of scripture. I wouldn't have put it in the Bible. I I wouldn't have. That's why he didn't ask me or my opinion about it or what I thought. But what he says, what he says to Joshua and to the people is today, I have rolled away the the reproach. Of Egypt from you. What does that mean? I have gotten rid of the disgrace and the shame of your slavery in Egypt. I've gotten rid of it. Cutting away and getting rid of the past. I'm getting rid of the stuff that holds you back. I'm getting rid of the flesh. I'm getting rid of the works of the flesh. I'm getting rid of the stuff. That has held you back. What we need to look at. I think one of the points. That we need to look at in all of this is that. There are areas in our mind, our will, and our emotions. There are parts in our souls, things in our souls that are very private and very secret that nobody knows about. And God is saying to us, that's the stuff I'm looking for. The stuff that's hidden. The stuff that nobody sees. The stuff that we think we can keep out of view from everybody else. That's what I'm going after. That's what I'm looking for. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says this, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Let's look at the words in here. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I didn't make that up. I didn't change those words. That's, Those are his words. The issue becomes, are we willing to allow God to do what he wants to in us? Are we willing to expose everything that we are to him, to become completely vulnerable to him, Because you know what he sees? Everything. He already sees it. So if we think we're hiding it, who do you think is fooled? We are. We are. And so he asks us to bring our lives before him and say, okay, Lord, now the, the implication of the physical act of circumcision doesn't apply to New Testament believers. But we know what it is. It's a circumcision of, a heart, of the heart that God talks about. That's what he's talking about, the circumcision of our hearts. So can we come to him and say, God, what is it in my heart that you, you want to deal with? Would you expose it? Would you show me? Would you open my eyes to it? Would you reveal to me what it is? that needs to go. Then trust him. Trust his skill as a surgeon to cut out only what's necessary. Because the truth of the matter is you aren't going to be able to possess your tomorrows. You're not going to be able to possess the promises. You're not really going to be able to be a history writer the way God wants you to be a history writer unless you allow him to do the work that he needs to do. And I noticed that Joshua didn't hesitate for a second. The Lord said, do this. They made flint knives, and they carried out business. You know, when God comes to us and he says, there's things that I want to deal with in your life, you know what? It actually does hurt, doesn't it? It's not always easy to go through stuff. It's not always easy to deal with some of those issues that are so strong and powerful in our lives. But God knows that we can't make progress unless we're willing to give it up and to let him do his work. And as soon as they were done, they celebrated the Passover. As soon as they were done, it was like they had communion, only that was the Jewish version of communion, but it's where we get our communion service from. The sacrifice of the lamb for the forgiveness of sins. And then it says that they tasted of tomorrow. They actually began to eat some of the produce of the land. See what happens? There's good stuff that happened as a result of obedience and of of avoiding opposing opportunism and operating obediently. They tasted of the land, and as soon as they ate of the fruit of the land, the manna stopped. (laughs) Which was another sign that God says, okay, it's a new time. It's a brand new time. It's a whole new time. We're moving in. You don't need manna anymore. And can you imagine what they were about to walk into? They were about... To gain possession of property, of houses, of land, of fruit trees and all that without a mortgage. (laughs) They were going in debt free. Give me some of that. Give me some of that. That's not in the scripture. I just thought about that and I thought, you know what? We need to press into that a little bit. We need to press into that a little bit. When God opens up the doors for the promised land, there's no debt. It's all paid for. It's all paid for. But it matters how we we possess and how we move into and how we operate and how we allow him to have control in our lives. So I want, we were very enthusiastic at the beginning. How are you feeling now? <laughs> we have mostly women here today. A lot of the men are gone. <laughs> so maybe we have to make lots of copies. <laughs> don't want to be shallow. We don't want to be people who walk away from less than being less than miracle people, but walking in the fullness of what God has for us. And so I want you to think about your heart right now. What would God put his finger on right now in your heart? what secret thing out of the view of other people and those secret areas that we hang on to the things that we cling to the things that we don't deal with those just become weapons in the enemy enemy's hands to beat us up they don't serve us in any way, in any, in any way good. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now and to examine our hearts.